did uh, learn, even though I was a little late on the uh, Zoom, I did learn that today is actually a momentous day in the lives of the Henshaws. That today is their 40th wedding anniversary. And we appreciate all that that represents or some of what that represents because no one knows all that it represents except you all and the Lord. But we are so grateful for your example, for your faithfulness, for your model of what it looks like for human beings to be living illustrations of the relationship between Christ and this church. So thank you very much and congratulations and God bless you. All right, well, before we read this passage, I want to explain how we're going to be processing the passage. Because we're not going to be processing the passage, even though we'll allude to what, the, what Paul's goals were in writing the book of what we call 2 Corinthians. Um, there is a pastoral uh, urge to come from this passage to help position us and to propel us in an area that um, if you remain a church long enough, you will have to incorporate in how you do church. And I'm just going to let that be teased out for uh, a moment. Um, in talking to Kurt about what to do for this, this month, um, we landed in this pastoral area that I think in talking to some of you, even in a casual manner, is also dear to your hearts, which makes a lot of sense. What we're doing, what we are processing um, in this passage are principles that um, will help us to be a church that comforts one another well, a church that cares for one another well, as we will see, um, caring for people while it is natural, while it is instinctual, there is also skill um, um, necessary to care well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we hope to envision all of us for the, to the privilege to emulate or follow the example of Christ in carrying each other's burdens as life and our capacity allows, and then some. So serving each other in a caring way and in a sacrificial manner, because caring, it ain't always easy. A few weeks ago, I was asked while sitting uh, in that area of the church over there, I was meeting with a professor from the University of Maryland, and he asked me, he said, do you have a contingent in your church that is always, that, 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 do you have a sick contingent in your church? And my knee-jerk answer was no. But if you know me, I don't usually stop at the knee-jerk. I might just think, oh, well, no, actually, that's not true. Increasingly, we have people in our midst who would fall in the category of needing ongoing care. Chronic pains. Body doesn't work the way it used to. That's right. As they used to say in my old church, keep, just keep on living, right? I mean, the alternative is to be gone. But if you keep living, if we keep living, we'll find that we're going to be in a position where not only do we need to receive care, but we're going to have to demonstrate care to one another. And so as I thought about the different prayer requests that were out and the different possibilities, well, my doctor's checking for this. Can you pray for me? I'm concerned about that. I'm anxious about this. That's where we're going as a church because we're getting older and we're multi-generational. I mean, I've said this before, but I haven't said it recently. 
well, I had these, <laughs> I had these shoes that um that were given to me, and they are vicious. <laughs> They're black and silver, mm. and the design is just nice. See, I can say that not because I own them, but because it was given to me. I don't say that about stuff I buy. So. One, one, one young, younger member of the church saw me and was like, oh, Mike, well, you look like you're about to go play some basketball. Like, well, you, you trying to get on the court? And the first thing I thought was not about how vicious my jumper has been in the past, not how sometimes I could have a crossover. I don't think any of these, I'm using, you see I'm speaking past tense. I'm thinking about how much I need to stretch before we get on that court. See, I remember when I was 16, 15, 14, they'd be like, hey, man, I'll be sitting, I could be watching Kung Fu Action Theater. That used to come on all the time, karate movies on Saturdays. And somebody called, not my cell phone, but the phone on the wall. I don't know if y'all know about that. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, man, we going to the court. All right, all right, I'll be out there. Jump off that, that couch. Get out there. <laughs> so, no, I'm just playing. But I get out there and do my thing. But now that could happen. That could happen. Why? Well, I'm continuing to live in the fallen world, and I'm affected by the fall, though I am a child of God. And in our church, we have children of God who are affected by the fall. We all are, but some more obviously than others, right? And so as a church, regardless of how old we are, we have a call from God to care for one another. And that's the pastoral, part of the pastoral desire here. We have increased opportunities to care for one another. As I mentioned, care, though, it's, it, it, there's skill involved. And I probably wouldn't have thought this until one, one, one time, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, my, I have relationships with uh, schools. And so there's one school in particular, um, they had a teacher who had gone to pick up her children from another school. And her estranged husband met her in a parking lot, and he ended up taking her life. And that happened, I think, on a Thursday. That Friday, though the building was on lockdown, the principal allowed me to come in. And I was allowed to go to a room where students were directed to, if they needed to talk to anybody, like, hey, go to that room, right? So at this point, I'm the new kid on the block, so you know, I'm just like sitting back, observing like how people get down, how they're trying to talk to the kids. So there were two other people in there. And um, a couple of students came in. And at some point, it became obvious that the other two individuals in the room did not know how to interact with the kids. They, they, they could not help them process what they were experiencing. For me, um, it was sort of natural. Why? Because I'm better than them? No, not because I'm better than them, but because I've had many moments at the bedside of saints that used to be part of this congregation coming every Sunday the way we do. I've had to talk to their family members when they're going through difficult situations. When they've passed away, I had to help plan memorial services. Those things accumulate a level of comfort that everyone just doesn't have. You can't just turn that on and off. I mean, you can if you have the light switch. But if you don't have the light switch, you can't build it then, right? You can't, it's needed, so you can't build it. That's part of the, the goal here, too, over this next month, is to, if we have to, if we're reactionary, we're already sort of behind. And so in some respect, we already sort of are behind, and, and, and all of it isn't our fault. There's COVID, we've been in isolation, we, we, we've gotten, excuse me, <coughs> we've gotten emails, 
um, about everything from work, church, family members, you know, just, just technology just coming at us, right? Just all over the place. Like math problems used to come at me when I was in school. There's skill involved. So there's increased opportunity. There's skill involved. Skill has to be developed. So skill, necess- it, it, it means that it's accessible, but we have to apply ourselves to the process of putting that in our toolbox. And then there is the call. There's the call from Scripture. Calls like Galatians 6.2, which tells us that we are to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's the example of Christ who said that there is, there is no greater love than that a person would lay down their life for their friends. There's Galatians 6.10, which says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do let us work for the good of all, especially those who are of or who belong to the household of faith. And then there's the example of our, our spiritual ancestors, our, our, our siblings in Christ. Uh, we have snapshots in Acts, which lets us know that there wasn't a needy person in that church. Why? Because they cared for one another. So we recognize a general call from God for believers to address needs as they arise in the church. We should do so individually and we should do so collectively as God's caring community. We recognize, given the age of our church, with corresponding uh, uh, emails as receipts, that need is on the rise in our church. And not necessarily monetary, but spiritual, physical, mental, and even emotional need is on the rise here at Solid Rock Church. So we are committed to care for each other as the opportunities come our way, first through prayer, but then by caring action as we have the capacity and the competency to expand our capacity I'm sorry, sorry, and the competency, and we're willing to expand our capacity through education and ministry structure as the Lord provides. These realities converge for why 2 Corinthians 1. Now, before I read the passage, I just want to, just want to, a couple of of definitions of words that I kind of use interchangeably. So comfort and care are two words that I will use interchangeably. However, um, you'll see that comfort is used a lot in the passage we're reading, but I'm talking about care from from us. So uh, comfort is relief and affliction. It's consolation or solace. Care is providing for what what is needed for the well-being or protection of a person or thing. So like I said, I'm going to use those synonymously. When I'm talking about care, I'm probably talking about us. When I'm talking about comfort, because the scripture is going to talk about God being the God of comfort, I'm talking about God. Affliction and need, I'm going to use those two interchangeably as well. So affliction is a state of pain, distress, or grief. Um, Need is the... um, Need is, you know what need is, right? <laughs> it's when, you're, when, when you have, uh, when you don't have that which is like bare, bare necessity. With this in mind, let's read First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians. We're, we're, we're only going to look at two verses, verses three. Five. Paul said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, which you have made. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life, Lord. Thank you for the quality of life that is eternal life that you have poured out upon your people. Thank you that part of that reality for us includes being a part of a community, the church, your people gathered, where we can expect to care for others and when it's our turn to be cared for by others. Lord, I pray that you would bless this entire process, that we would learn how to care effectively for people in various categories. Lord, for those who are, who are poor, for those who are ill in a temporary situation, for those who are terminally ill, for those who have ongoing physical ailments, and for those who have mental ailments, Lord. We pray that you would help us and that you would shape us into a church that can serve, Lord, in, these, in this myriad of afflictions that people face in this world. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart, Lord, to apply. We pray, Lord, that you would please increase and that you would help me to decrease. We pray that you would speak and that anything that's not of you, Lord, would be caught before spoken, or if spoken, would be forgotten. Father, we ask you this in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Sorry, my mouth is dry. So Paul, in this book, having given his standard Standard greeting, this is not, not here, okay. Um, having given his standard greeting to open the letter of, 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 of this letter to the Corinthians, he, um, he, he begins to foreshadow that he's going to, he's going to um, defend his apostleship by sharing, um, by sharing that his sufferings on Christ's behalf actually qualifies him for apostleship rather than as individuals who were challenging his apostleship did, rather than look at it as something that disqualified him as an apostle. See, um, human beings have a way of seeing affliction, of seeing need as something bad, as something wrong, as something that could be the punishment of God on others. And so these people who were challenging Paul's apostleship did not take into consideration that he was actually suffering on Christ's behalf. Therefore, Paul, he's not giving everything away all at once, but what he does is he gives thanks to God the Father. Not just in general or not just for salvation as he does in other books, but here he designates him as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. See, he knows where he's going. Though he is not explicit in his statement, he is saying that he is grateful to have experienced God as the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Also in his implication is gratitude for the context. What is the context? The context is that of affliction. And so off the break or you're not used to that kind of language from the outset. I want to acknowledge and come against, this is me, not Paul. Paul's doing it in some way, but I'm saying it explicitly. The natural human mental disposition that we are at our best when our need is minimal. That's a natural human way of thinking, right? <laughs> even though we probably don't mean it, but like even if you say, hey man, you need anything? No, I'm good, right? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. See, this mindset of being at your best when your need is minimal, it is why when Jesus told the disciples that, 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 that it's easier for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved, they exclaimed, who then can be saved? 
because they looked at God's God's temporal blessing as 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 like that's the way we that's the way we 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 identify whether or not God is with us is whether or not we're prosperous. See, riches was seen as God's blessing and lack was seen as God's punishment. So in John chapter nine, they asked Jesus when they see the man who was born blind, hey, who sinned this man or his parents? Because somebody had to sin. He was born blind. Right. That's just a natural. Human. Mental state. Is that if I have need. Well, I'm not good. They had no mental categories that such a happenstance could be upon someone for the reason that Jesus said it was on this man. So that God would be glorified. And so before we go any further, I just want to I, I, I just want to just let everyone know if you are a person who who has chronic disease, chronic pain, if you have whatever you're going through, whatever it is, please note that I believe that the statement that Jesus made about the man in John chapter 9, that it is more pervasive than it is stated. That every situation, we've been going through Romans, so we know Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his Purpose. I'm not saying that good is always easy, and I think you already know that from the messages Pastor Kurt has, has shared. We agree. We're in, we're in one accord on that. But I just want to speak to you, and I just want to let you know that as children of God, this is just Mike Dixon's way of thinking, and I think it's informed by Scripture. But since I'm not quoting a Scripture, I'm going to say it's my way of thinking. Since I don't believe in coincidences. Since I don't believe in faith or chance, since I believe God is sovereign and he works providentially, since I believe those things, I don't believe that there's anything that comes my way, regardless of how much I don't like it or how painful it is, that isn't ultimately going to play out for the glory of God. Not one thing. And I believe that about every believer of Jesus Christ, whether they go to solid rock or not. But if they're in the rock, then I have to help them. I have to help them try to process that a little bit. And so I encourage you to think the same. So, so what, what, whatever your lot, as the it is well with my soul says, may you remember and be encouraged that no, whatever you're going through is not punishment from God, even if it hasn't always been what your situation has been, even though this may be a new thing, it is, not, it is not punishment by God. It is another opportunity for God to be glorified in your life. And even though the, 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 the mechanics of that may be mysterious, that doesn't mean it's not true. Right? How in Romans 8 can it be said that, that we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But then right after that it says, no, in all these things we're more than conquerors. No, it may not always make sense to how we think, but in the economy of God, he has a plan that he's working out. And sometimes his plans don't feel good. But they're not his punishment toward us. They are meant to be used for his glory. I have a, I had a cousin who was old enough to be my grandma. She was a strong believer in Christ. And I remember at her, at her, at her homegoing service, which is what black people call funerals, um, (laughs) that, um, that, uh, people made mention of like how much she would lift her hands in praise to God and how even in her weakened state, she was holding her hands up longer than some people who were like whole, if you would. And that was a resounding, reiterated, 
point throughout just testimonies about her. Some kind of way, even through her physical limitations, she tapped into this. Yes, even this is for the glory of God. Now that's to those of us who have to stretch more than me or can't stretch at all. You know, people who are just, just, just aren't uh, in, a, in a place where they can either do much or it hurts to do stuff or the prognosis of, of where they're headed is not uh, a good one. May you be encouraged. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this too. Someone uh, in, in one of my D groups mentioned uh, the desire. No, actually, it was it was it was our leadership group yesterday. Mentioned how much they desire access to older people because. Um, they kind of show like how to do the next thing that's probably coming up for you. And there is wisdom in that statement. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and this, this, this is just me. This is just me. Just so you know, remember how I think. Okay, my wife and I, early on in our marriage, we, we might be at a mall or somewhere, and we might see like two older people who... They're walking. They're obviously married. They're holding hands. They kind of like holding each other up. Like that's how old they are. And I tell my wife, like, freshly married, hey, that's gonna be us. Like we 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 gonna be like together to the end. That was before they even had the term ride or die, right? I was saying you my ride or die, even though I didn't know I was saying that, but I was saying that, right? There is. We, <laughs> Now, in my D group, excuse me, I'm dead. these two are going to connect at some point. In my D group, we were, they were, we were talking about caring for people and how that in the United States of America, there's no condemnation meant for anybody now. I'm just telling you what we said in our D group. All right? Okay. All right. So in the United States of America, it's almost as if you can pawn your sick off on other people and you don't have the privilege. I, I count it a privilege. I've never seen anybody. No, I probably have seen somebody die, but I don't want to die like him. Um, but, no, I don't, because he got shot. So, so no, I don't want to die like him. But I do want, and so having seen someone who's died like that, why would I not want to see someone who's transitioning into the presence of God. Why would I, and I know everybody's not from the same background I'm from, so I, I, I got you. I understand. But I have been by the bedside of people who I just can't understand how they have this joy. And they have it. And they show me that that is accessible even in that situation right there. I see, I've even seen people who I know might be weak in this church who cannot stand up through every song. But when some song comes on that just grabs them, it gets them up out of the chair and they just have to stand because it's their way of saying, Lord, I still believe. Lord, you are carrying me. I need to see that. You need to see that. We need to see that. And you know what? At some point, we may be that. We can't run from it. We can't hide from that. We can't. We can't. So we have examples in our midst that we want to take note of and that we want to, we want to serve, and we're going to do that. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Now, before talking about our kind of care, I do, I do want to say this about God himself, since he's the father of, you know, even though everybody's not his child in a the theological sense, obviously he's the creator of all things, right? 
And human beings are made in this image, right? Part of being made in his image and his likeness is the capacity to care. Most parents do not have to be told, hey, man, you really need to care for your kids. You don't need a manual to tell you that, right? You automatically care for them. You may show it in ways that are different from the next parent, but you know how to care without being told. It's usually, it has been, maybe it's not as common now, but it has been normal for people to care for the elderly. It's been natural for people to care, anyone, people, people, not Chris, people, to care for the vulnerable. That is probably why um, most of why, why the nonviolent protests in the 60s were so effective because people weren't provoking anyone in any physical way, but you would see dogs sicked on them. You would see water hoses mowing them down. You would see those kinds of things. And so the whole nation's conscience was aroused because, hey, that's not right. Those people aren't even doing anything, regardless of what color you were. That probably is also why there was, there was so much protest last summer because people had saw the video of, of the murder of George Floyd. And if you, if you see that, a person is incapacitated with someone's um, knee on, on someone else's neck, you have to be like the people who were around who were like, dude, come on, bro. Like they, they were trying to speak reason to Derek Chauvin, right? Because, why? Because it's natural to say, all right, all right, enough, man, enough. enough. Like, like, oh, oh. That, that's, that's a demonstration of care. So caring is not necessarily Christian in the sense that exclusive to Christianity, to believers in Christ. It's not exclusive to us. It's part of our, uh, the image of God within us that we would care for others. So you have police officers and, and, and first responders who will run to danger, right? When I was growing up, my mother said, hey, if you hear the sirens, like, do not run to it. Of course, you know, we ran to it, but we weren't supposed to, right? You're not supposed to run to danger. But they are grown-ups, right, who willingly go to danger so that they can save other people because they can, they're people who learn how to be skillful at that so that they can save other people, right? There are people who have saved other people who were drowning and died themselves because care was implemented at that time. Now, while caring is not exclusively Christian, Christian care is ignited by observing the care of God the Father. And it is the why we care. It is the why of why we care. So, so many people want to know, you know, how to be successful at this or that. And sometimes they don't, they don't go, they don't answer the why. Well, for Christians, the reason that we care is because we see our God as a caring God and we've experienced care from him. We observe his care in creation when he arranges everything so that when he creates uh, Adam, he is like set. He doesn't have much need. Obviously, he still needs God, but God sets everything up for him. Uh, there was a widow in, in, in uh, 2 Kings 4 who her husband had just died and there was a lot of debt to pay off. And she called on Elisha and Elisha helped her and, 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 and multiplied her oil so that she could pay her debt. Why? Because God is a God who, who cares. And why did Jesus stop the woman whose son was about to be buried in, in Luke chapter 7? He stopped it because he cared and he raised him from the dead. So the bottom line is that we care because God cares. That, that's where we start. We start with God the Father. In observing the general care of God, we should be motivated to emulate or incorporate his care as a characteristic of our life since we are called to be increasingly conformed into his image. 
So Paul begins by recognizing God as the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Because he's obviously going to defend his apostleship and part of that is celebrating, if you would, his affliction. Verse 4 says, He, God, comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves received from God. Obviously, we know that there is never a time that God is not with us over and over again. Even in the Old Testament, God promises to his people that he will never leave nor forsake them. And in affliction, um, being in affliction is no different. As a matter of fact, when when Saul is on the road to Damascus to uh, put the people of God in jail and to persecute them, when he's knocked off his horse and he sees the light and he wants to know who uh, who that is, um, after being asked the question, like, why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus is not physically here on earth anymore, right? But he says, why are you persecuting me? Because to persecute his people is to persecute him. So that is how intimately involved Christ is with each one of us. That's how intimately he is involved with each of his, all of his churches. Um, he is always with them and always means that he is there in every affliction. And this is the thing about that, that I see about God and that it looked like in the Old Testament, the Israelites would, how they would get down a little bit. While God was blessing them, they always presumed upon God's blessing. Like, hey, this is just the way life is. But then when God's blessing came off of them, they're like, man, what in the world is this? This kind of, they were shocked by how different it was to be within God's blessing. So let's say for them, being in God's blessing would be being in their homeland, right? So when they were, when, when they were in exile, that's, that's like, oh, no, God is not with us. God is not with us. Look, regardless of what we go through, we, I don't think we'll ever know what it's like. We, not I don't think. I know we will never know what it's like for God to be absent. We'll never know what it's like for God to be absent. God is always with you. God the Father, Jesus Christ, Father, Him. That's God who I'm talking about, God the Father. He promises it. Therefore, whatever your affliction, our affliction, He is with us. And one of the ways that He is with us Because we can't see him, right? But one of the ways he's with us is through each other. It's through each other. So the care that we that we that we that we are able to to practice, we're able to execute upon one another, is because as the passage says that we God is with us in our affliction to show us that he's with us, but also to prepare us to help other people who will go through similar afflictions, or even if it's not the exact same affliction, knowing loss positions you to help people who know loss regardless of what it is they lost, right? It doesn't have to be exactly the same, right? You don't have to be an expert in, in losing your keys to comfort someone who, <laughs> all you have to do is lose them one, one time when you really need them, and, well, if you're me, you're going to get mad first. Then you're going to look for him. Then you're going to pray. <laughs> I don't know why the order isn't different. Hopefully next time it is, pray first. Why do I say pray first, right? Why do I say pray first? Well, it's because I know what, what the what the... What it's like to be like, oh, get mad. Well, probably, I probably don't get mad first. I probably look for it first, then get mad because I didn't put them in the right place. And then get over that and be like, I just need the keys. It's madness. But, but going through all of that, like, 
if you don't have to go through all of that, why not just pray first, right? I can tell myself that, and you're laughing because you can relate, right? But we resign ourselves to prayer when we should assign ourselves to pray first whenever there is a need. So don't ignore the prayer requests that come on the email, please. The first level of care should be prayer. I say that so you can remember. The first level of care should be prayer. Right? That's the first level. Every one of us can do that. Every one of us who knows Jesus can pray in his name. And I would say, I know some people are not going to be able to do this, but I would say, this is just me. I, 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 I don't give up on praying for healing too soon. That's a whole nother, I'm, I'm a, yeah, move from there. Because that's a whole nother mindset. But, but let's pray like we're praying to God. Let's pray first. Let's remember that, that since there's never been a time that God has not been with me, let me rem- let's remember that that's what, we can, that's what we can encourage each other with, that that's never not true. That's never untrue for anyone going through anything. They may feel a certain way, but God is with them. And one of the ways God is with them is through you, through me. Because we've been afflicted as well. This isn't heaven for us right now. You know what? It's funny how the world, some people in the world be like, hey man, this is hell. Like the world is so bad, they reckon that this, this, this joint, something's wrong with it. It's, it ain't right. This is hell. One, uh, not too long ago, someone was telling me like, hey man, the world... It's coming to an end. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I don't know what, what that person's faith level is. I don't know if they were, you know, a, a believer in Jesus, but they didn't mention his name, but they still were like, hey, the world's coming to an end. There's too many wild things happening. So everybody sees that something's wrong. So the, the stability in the midst of things being wrong, that serves and ministers to people, to know that everything will be all right. Everyone cannot say that, meaning like everyone does not have that hope. But we have the hope because we know we're going to a place where there won't be any more tears. There will be no such thing as crying. There won't be any more dying. There won't be any pain. Like we're going to a place like that, a place that really like we have to imagine it because like what we see is not it is not that. But we understand that that's where we're going, right? We're trying to make sure that everyone, every one of us. So when I was in the military, uh, we, man, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd have to run. And some of the people who were like, if they were like, like I was 18 at the time, so I was much slimmer than this. Like if they were like my size and, they, and now and, and we were running, they might fall back and get gassed out like real quick. And you were always... Just feel bad for them because then the drill sergeants would just like go in on them. And like when I was in the military, even though they weren't supposed to hit you, like they would do little stuff like kick people and stuff like that, right? You want, you want this man to make it. So all of us are like, I'll use my last name because I, I mean, you, I'm sure you don't know the person, but I ain't using this. I remember his name and all that stuff, but. Come on, Dixon, you can make it, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. And, and sometimes you can see it would give like some strength and the brother would just pick up his stride a little bit. Now, it wouldn't increase his lung capacity, so he might get gassed out again. <laughs> However, <laughs> come on, man, you, you can do it. You can, and it just like gives that burst. Well, when we care for each other, it's our way of saying, come on, man, you can make it. Just hold on a little while longer. The Lord is with you. I know, I know it might be a little bit painful right now. I know that, 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 that his presence 
with for you and with you may be a little bit obscured. But if it is, please take comfort in this. I, your fellow sibling in Christ, am right here with you. And though you can't see him, please see me. And know that, as mentioned earlier, though we're counted as sheep for the slaughter, and all these things, we're more than conquerors. That's what care does. It invigorates. It gives hope. I know y'all didn't see uh, Endgame. I know none of y'all saw Endgame. But one of the most powerful lines see, is, is when Hawkeye told Black Widow something like, don't you dare give me hope. Hope changes everything. When we care for one another, we extend hope to one another. We give a physical experience of God to someone else who's in need. We come through at the right time. So I would say, please, when, when the Lord brings someone to your mind, if you text, like text them. If you call, call them. If you send cards, send it. Because you never know when that thing will come at the right time. This is a true story. This happened yesterday during our leaders meeting. So I opened up in prayer and I, and I asked, Lord, if anyone has forgotten, would you please remind them? And the Lord actually did it. Now, the only reason I know this, if I was this person, I wouldn't have did this. So, you know, but some people are just more conscientious than others. But the person texted me and said, hey, I'm sorry I was late. I, I, I was on a road trip. We didn't get in until 2. And I woke up. And then just rem- I had forgotten about the meeting. Now, then I, I remembered. And they texted me. And I'm like, wow, that was an answer to prayer. Did I know it was going to be an answer? I, did. I didn't know, right? But I say that to say, like, you don't know when if you sending that card will come at the right time. You sending that text will come at the right time. You making that call will come. You preparing the meal. You the offering to babysit. You whatever. We don't know. God is working all the time. But sometimes we just, because we don't get the text that I got that says, hey, this is this what happened. I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, this happened. Like, God answered that prayer. Like, whoa. I'm, I'm used to God answering prayers, but man, I'm not used to like, hey, I got a text from somebody. Hey, this person was, okay, anyway. Um, we don't get the text. Sometimes people don't say, yeah, hey, thank you. That joint came at the right time. It's okay. Do not require that to be obedient to God. Don't require that. Don't need that confirmation. Just be obedient to God. There was, there, everyone's familiar with the name Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was, was somewhere doing her work, and some senator from the United States came. You know, United States, we always looking for, like, what's successful? How are we measuring this? What's the measure? What we, okay, so he says, you know, he asked her in a polite way, how did she not get overwhelmed? Because, like, this isn't, he didn't say this, but what he was saying implied this isn't a successful venture. And she just said, oh my dear Senator, God doesn't call us to success. He calls us to be faithful. Let's be faithful. We're not worrying about success from our vantage point. We're worrying about the Lord being represented and him being represented well. I do have more that I could say, but, I'm, but, but I'll just, um, just go on to this part. So here's what, what you should expect. Next week, we'll be talking about caring for the poor, uh, not just the monetarily poor, but those who are spiritually poor as well. Um, then we'll talk um, about those who are temporally ill, followed by those who are terminally ill, 
followed by physical challenges, meaning the physical challenges don't leave. Like this is just how life is for you. And caring for those who are mentally challenged. One of the things that we want to have, because we're all learning, so this is from a d desire to um, position us, <laughs> to position us to uh, be skillful in our care, to rise up to the opportunity to care, and to model the care of God for one another. One thing that one of my friends, who's a, 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 a Prince George's County Public School principal and the mom of a 16-year-old, um, I forgot what his what his his ailment is, but she mentioned that his mental capacity may be like that of a five-year-old. So that's what she, what she and her husband have, uh, you know, have have had. That's what life has looked like for for them. And I'm sitting there knowing that this. August is coming up and like where we're going and I'm trying to glean from her. And this is what she said that I was so freed by and provoked in, in, in some ways. She said, and I'm my, now she goes to a church who is a world-class organization. People come from all over the world to come and see their special needs ministry. So that's where, she, where she's coming from. But she said, and she's also the author of two books. Um, but she said, basically after telling me all this stuff that just had my mind going in like all kinds of directions, she said, you know what though? You start, as a church, you start where you are. I mean, there's no way to do anything different than that. But sometimes when you hear that, there's freedom in hearing like, okay, like you're not expected to be like my church, but you're expected to be Solid Rock Church, caring for Solid Rock members. That's who we're called to be. And so we're going to start where we are. And this is what I observe about where we are, is that we have caring hearts in this church. We do. We have caring hearts. And we always, we have. From the time we first came, even back then, there were caring hearts in, in this church. And that remains to be part of our DNA and we're so grateful for that. Our level of need hasn't been what it is now, though. Um, and so we have tremendous opportunity. Um, but we're going to start where we are. And so even after this month, we're not going to be where we'll be a year from now. right? But one of the things that I thought would be wonderful, and I haven't emailed these folks yet, but there, I have a list of people who... Either they fall into, this, into one of these categories or they have to care for someone who falls into these categories. And I would like for us to hear from them either uh, by me reading something that they say um, or by them uh, uh, sharing you know, with us um, at some point during the message. Um, and so I am going to email those folks. Um, if you are one of those people, um, you, if you're thinking like, hey, I fall into that category, I don't know if he's going to email me. Hey, look, text me or email me and say, I would like to be one of those, one of those people. But we don't want to just hear my life, even though I describe, you know, my, to me, my life has been good, and good in this term. But like my, I've had no cares for anything except for like danger and like some kind of way you usually learn how to navigate that. And so far, so good with that. But we don't just want you to hear. I don't just want you to hear from me because I'm not a subject matter expert. We do want to tap into the heart of God for this, and we do want to make sure that we are as equipped as we can be. We want to, in the words of Mother Teresa, we do want to be faithful. We do want to be faithful. And we can be faithful. And we will be faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your care for us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for, Lord, even as I remember hearing prayers about being protected from dangers that are seen as well as those that are unseen. Lord, how often 
Are we just unaware because we do not see? Lord, help us to recognize your care for us. Help us, Lord, when we see your care for us, Lord, would you help us to celebrate your care for us, that others may have hope in your care for them, that we may be on the edge of our seats encouraging one another about you and your capabilities, oh God. Father, I pray that you would um, please move us along in this series. Help us to begin to develop and to, and to, and to uh, expand upon the capabilities you've given us. Lord, may we learn from one another. Would you stir people's hearts to want to share? And Lord, would you stir hearts to listen and to learn that we might be not just uh, have a heart for something, but we have the skill to execute it well. Lord, many people have had, and you know, they've demonstrated through marriage, they've had a heart to love someone for the rest of their life. But the skill to execute that, that's different than the heart. So Lord, we want both, we want all. Why? Because we desire to glorify you in this area. We desire to be like you. And we thank you that you have comforted us in our affliction. So Lord, may we represent you when our brothers and sisters are afflicted. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that message. If you have any questions from the sermon, please text 240-623-8076. And I have a few announcements for us. We'll start out by doing a few birthday shout outs. Mike Fleshman, who is not here, but she is one of our founding members of Solid Rock Church, celebrated her 79th birthday on July 30th. So happy birthday to her. And today we also have Michaela. It is her birthday. And this young brother's not here, but Brian Gardner is his birthday as well. So announcements for this week. We do not have D groups meeting this week. Instead, we will have Dr. Carl Sanders leading a class Wednesday evenings. He'll be teaching on the doctrine of providence. So that'll begin at 7 p.m. Um, every Wednesday here. That'll be live and in person at Solid Rock Church. We'll see what we can do about streaming that. There's no promises, though. How encouraging. <laughs> yes. Um, we also have Friday morning prayer this Friday, 7.30 a.m. You can still get up to, to do that if, if you can. That's sent out in a text message and email if you need the phone number. Um, and later this month, we, we don't have much going on this month, but later this month on August 27th, we have our Back to School Expo that we'll be doing, partnering with a few local organizations at Charles Carroll Middle School. So that'll be from 12 to 6 p.m. If you would like to join, um, you can sign up on Church Center for all of these. So download your Church Center app and sign up for Solid Rock Church if you have yet to have that on your phone. And then also for China friends, there's an opportunity to serve as well. We'll have 14 new Chinese students that is also led by the Sanders, Carl and Carla Sanders. They'll be coming from University of Maryland. So we'll need a few people to serve. You can contact Carla directly. Um, and Carla, can you raise your... Oh, she might be in children's ministry. Okay, Carl, can you raise your hand in, in for your wife? Thank you. <laughs> so get to Carl and Carla if you see them around. Um, also this Saturday, um, we will have John Rogers' funeral here. If you would like to attend that, please wear a mask. We will also be live streaming that. That'll be at 12 p.m. 
um, in questions now as we transition. I have a question. Yes. Is there also is there anything else going on on Saturday? From yes. Nine, 9 we, to twelve. Yes, I can announce that as well. Okay. We will be serving our brothers and sisters, the Henshaw, Henshaws. They are packing up and moving, so if you're available from at 9 a.m., they live in Greenbelt, you'll get that address if you need it. But you can RSVP if you're a member online. Um, check your email that came out Saturday as well. If you are not a member and you still like to serve, feel free to serve. You can get to me after this service, and I will give you the details so we can help pack them up and move as well. That'll be at nine o'clock again. So transitioning to Q&A. First comment says, wow, I'm so encouraged by this message series. Thank you for this. It is so timely. Praise God for how we can grow in caring for one another and loving one another well. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm sorry, my app is loading. They just started coming in. All right. As we acknowledge that this world is passing away and hope for a new heaven and earth, how should we consider striving for a degree of restoration, wholeness, and healing, or <clears throat> excuse me, on this side of eternity? Yeah. First of all, thank you for that question. Um, I think we should do so vigorously. Um, we should... Uh, remember the example of Jesus who went about uh, healing people. He went about, I think, uh, and actually says he went about destroying the works of the devil. Um, and so we are his body. So that, has, that mission has not stopped. His kingdom, we believe, um, theologically speaking, um, in the already and not yet. So there's a degree to which the kingdom of God has invaded um, this context. And our efforts to uh, be... Uh, uh, part of restoration, to be part of healing, uh, to be part of, of, of just allowing there to be these uh, signs of the kingdom of God happening. Like that should be something that we try to position ourselves to do in an increasing manner. So that's why we do things for our community. That's why we connect with our community because we think that um, obviously, it's a no-brainer, and it's a given. Like, yes, we're going to, as um, Galatians 6.10 says, we're going to, as we have opportunity, work for the good of those who are in the church. But we also see that as, I think, the, um, uh, I think it was verse 4 of this passage that we were looking at. Our, our comfort can overflow. So not only uh, is our cup filled, but it should run over so that, you know, other people are touched and affected by our efforts to represent God and to bring a measure of an experience of God uh, in the world um, through Jesus Christ and as the church. So I think we should do so vigorously as we have capacity. I think we should do so sacrificially as well. Um, and um, I think we should, we should always give glory and honor to our Father God himself. Um, because if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't, we, we couldn't, we Gentiles, we, we wouldn't even be part of that, right? But now we are, and so we want others to experience that which we have experienced. Thank you. You're welcome. This next question is for those who often feel like they need to help mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. when, in, when in need is needed. Um, can you speak to them and helping them discern um, how to serve when their heart to help is big? Yeah. Man, that sounds like my, my wife. <laughs> Even though I don't know if she would say that. I say that about her, right? Um, but uh, she has one of the biggest hearts uh, that I've ever seen. Um, but I think for people like that, I think, you know, there, there are a few things to remember. Um, one of them is we're all part of the body. We're not the entire body. So there's no way we can do everything, right? There, there, there opportunities, you know, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, right? Um, so there's always going to be opportunity 
to serve the poor. There's always going to be opportunities to serve here, there, everywhere, right? So um, just in terms of your mentality, that person's mentality, I think the first thing to do is remember that I'm not God. Like, God is the only one. God the Father is the only one who does everything on his to-do list. Um, he's the only one who can answer every prayer. That person is not you. He's not me. He's not you. Um, so remember that. Remember also that if we're talking, if we remember that, like, some service as well as caring has a level of skill and people will never learn to do what somebody else is always doing. It's just easier to just say, oh, yeah, Mike got that, or some, such and such has that, or like, yeah, they'll do. When, but when everybody's looking around thinking somebody else is going to do it, that's when, if that person's unavailable, nobody ends up doing it. So sometimes if you're one who would always consistently do things, um, you should think about the, the church broadly. Like, hey, you know, maybe some other people can do it. Maybe I can invite someone to, to help me. Um, and then I think practically speaking, so that was just mindset. But then uh, practically speaking, like, do you have friends who recognize how big your heart is that you can ask and say, you know what, I was thinking about doing this. I was thinking about doing that. Is there someone you can share your calendar with um, to, to just check out like whether you may be overexerting yourself, um, and um, that that would—I mean, for a person like that, that that can be a huge step in and of itself. There's more I can say, but even that right there would just be a huge step if you could involve other people in checking your heart to make sure you aren't doing uh, too much. That would be a good um, practical step. And just remember this: I'll, I'll say this: God isn't calling you to do everything. So that's the way I'll end it. God is not calling you, whoever you are, to do everything. So, like, it's okay to sit some things out. It's okay to do part of something. It's, it's fine. So don't feel bad about that. Is that it? All right. Well, thank you. We've ended just in time for you to go meet that rain out there uh, that you hear coming down. <laughs> coming down. Uh, but God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And see you next week.